Amen. Hey, everyone. It's me again. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are new to the fold, my name is Jack. I don't normally do this, but it's uh, becoming a habit, I guess. Um, this morning, we're going to be in Colossians 1. So if you'd like to turn there as we get started this morning. Do any of you guys feel exhausted? Not in the sense of like um, tired, like yes, tired, but in the sense of like just exhausted with life. Whether it's, you know, in whether you're exhausted with school or trying to figure out how to be a parent or how to be in a relationship and living with a spouse, maybe for the first time. Maybe it's how to parent teenagers, right? Life can be so exhausting. And what we're going to read today, I think, is relevant in its own context, but I think is very relevant to the world we live in. Sorry. The world today, much like um, the first century Roman Empire, was in a lot of turmoil. Changes are happening. There's a lot of things grabbing for our attention. And although they didn't have TikTok and Twitter and Instagram, um, you know, they had to submit to Roman rule. And there's a lot of things for the new believers of the Church of Colossae to fall into the trap of the world. So this morning, uh, I'm just going to read from Colossians 1 to get us started, and then we will dive in together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ, Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this, you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also increases among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for, um, for Jesus, who is your word. We thank you for your scripture um, through which we can understand and know you more. Lord, I pray that you speak through me, not in spite of me this morning, um, and just allow us to know you more. Amen. So as we see, that was... Longer than I thought it'd be, but here we are. Um, Paul is writing this letter um, from prison, and he has heard of this new community of believers through Epaphras. And he's writing to them prayers and encouragement for them to keep the faith. And not only that, but for them to recognize the true religion that they have just started believing. This is not too dissimilar from a church plant like us, very young church, kind of like finding our way in the world. Um, We're not all brand new believers. Some of us might be, but I think it is very relevant for us today. Um, In this time... In this town, they would, there would have been images of Caesar everywhere. Statues, coins. The image of their ruler was everywhere. It's kind of like the, the all-seeing eye of Caesar in a way. Um, part of that is they don't have television or social media, none of them have met Caesar, none of them know what he looks like, so they would put statues in town so that like, this is your, this is your ruler, and in a lot of ways, <clears throat> during this time, Nero was the emperor of Rome, a lot of them were hoping that he would bring about a lot of change 
in the new season. That he would maybe drive out some corruption. Maybe he could um, bring about a new and better economy for them to live in. Even though they, even though you don't, you don't vote for kings, even though you don't vote for emperors, they still would have placed a lot of hope in who Nero was going to be, right? So Paul is writing, and he's just trying to encourage them in the fact that they've staked their claim on Jesus because they've heard the gospel. They've said, this is the, this is the person we want to submit to as Lord. This is the life we choose to live as a community. Um, and they're figuring that out in the midst of the pagan spiritualism around them, in the midst of Roman rule and how that affects their life. Um, and it, in this time, it would have been pretty noticeable that there's a community of people who are not following um, the way that everybody else does. In this time, it would have been common to pray to gods because if you upset the gods, then earthquakes could happen or fires could happen or um, a number of things. And they would have said, we've angered the gods or we didn't, off, you know, like this is kind of the mindset that they're living in. So if now they go from that and they're saying and proclaiming Jesus, something bad happens in the town, they're going to be like, these people didn't pray to the gods. They've angered the gods. There's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity for them to um, be in pretty big trouble for the community they lived in. Paul is praying for them that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and that they would come to better understanding of what that means and what that life looks like lived out. It's interesting that um, he writes throughout this that Jesus is the image of God because of all the images they would have seen of Caesar. There's a parallel there. There's a statue of Caesar, even though they've never met Caesar, and we have an invisible God, but Jesus is the image of that God, because he is God. He is the So as he's praying for them, an interesting thing happens um, when we get to verse 15. There's a change of tone. And I, to be honest, like I never knew, I never thought about this, but sometimes when you dive deep into a passage and you actually study it, then a lot of stuff falls out of there and you didn't realize it was in there. So um, scholars believe that this next section is a poem, possibly Paul um, quoting a hymn or putting a hymn in this section. And I honestly don't know if this was, you know, maybe this was a song that the early church sang. Um, maybe this was just a way that they reminded each other of the truth of who Jesus was. But um, as, as you look in this section, and we'll, 
spend a good bit of our time here this morning. Um, it is pretty obvious that there are some parallels that may, that you can see that it's a poem, but in our English translation, it doesn't always like write as poetry. It just kind of looks like more prose, right? I wasn't going to do this, but my fold group told me I needed to. Um, so <laughs> I saw a meme like three days ago, and because of that, as I'm studying this, I was like, this could be relevant, so let's go for it. Um, just along the lines of sometimes when like poetry, when like Paul essentially breaks into song here, but like we don't really read it that way, the truth of the word is the same. Like the message is all there, right? Nothing has really changed about the meaning of it. But we don't recognize it as a, it doesn't say like, and here's the poem that Paul wrote. It doesn't say that. So here is somebody named Isaac Mayer took the time to translate the 1999 hit All-Star by Smash Mouth into Aramaic and then back to English. And so I'm going to read that just so you can see that like when something gets translated from language to language, the meaning is there, what little meaning was in All-Star by Smash Mouth. (laughs) But it doesn't sound anything like the song anymore, right? So just picture, you're watching Shrek, or for the few of you that have seen Mystery Men, and I do apologize, it's in there too. Um, There was one who said unto me that the universe was going to cause me trouble, that I'm not the sharpest cutting implement in the storehouse. She had the appearance unto me as a stupid one with her finger and her thumb in the frame of a Greek gamma upon her forehead. (laughs) Behold, the years begin coming, and they do not cease from coming, fed unto the axioms, and I fell upon the earth and ran. It was not acceptable if not to live for the sake of pleasurable things. Your brain increases in wisdom, but your heart increases its stupidity. A great amount to do, a great amount to see, Therefore, there is no difficult problem if you take the streets of the backside. You will not know if you do not go. You will not shine if you do not glow. Behold, currently, you are entirely a star child. Begin your power. Go laugh. Behold, currently, you are a master of the music. Begin your singing. Acquire your wages. So, we can just pray now. And I'm, just, I'm, just <clears throat> I'm just kidding. So, I will say, like, I, I look, that Aramaic is like fourth century Aramaic. It's not exactly right, but the point, you get the point. Like, the meaning of All Star is there, but it's no longer the, the song that we all know and love, right? Um, It's interesting to me because I really wish I knew what Paul's poem sounded like. Um, I really wish that I, and this is just me personally, like the fact that the early church had songs that they would sing 
for me as a musician and um, as a worship leader, like, that's so, like, intriguing. I want to know, like, what it sounded like. It probably sounded terrible. Like, if we played first century Middle Eastern music in here, you guys would never let me sing again. Um, but it's there. No, um, It's all there. Let me see. So he, he breaks into this poem, hymn, um, and it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. Um, firstborn can be confusing, but it's more so talking about he's the heir. It's his right. He is the Lord of creation. Um, by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Here's a, is that like a direct shot at Rome? Watch out, you know, like by him all, he created thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. So he is Lord even over Rome at this time. Kind of in the center of the poem, we see that he holds all things together, which I think is interesting because it's like, the first half has this firstborn of creation. He holds all things together. And then the second half kind of has that repeated line. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Everything In everything, he might be preeminent. So you kind of see that the point Paul's making, and I think the point that the poem is making is that, A, Jesus is the author and king of creation, kind of that middle part. He is the one that's holding all things together. And then the second stanza, or whatever you would look at that, he, he is bringing about the new creation. He's establishing a new kingdom that he is the ruler of. So it's interesting, you know, like the songs we sing on Sundays are very different than this. Um, a, they, they make sense in English, they rhyme, they, what, you know, whatever. But um, I think it's really interesting to me that he put this in there because whether you know it or not, the songs we sing are, that's how we are indoctrinated. It's so much easier to remember a song than it is to remember a message or a sermon I know CJ has preached a lot of great sermons, but could I tell you many of them verbatim? No. But I can remember like the lyrics of a song with a tune. Um, and the church has been doing this for centuries. Whether it's hymns that the melody are appropriated from bar tunes, like that actually happens a lot. Um, most of our hymns that we have held on to for centuries are Irish drinking songs, essentially. <laughs> you know, So it's funny how, I think the beauty of that is we've taken songs that everyone knows and we've like put truth about God and Jesus and our faith in them. And it's still something that everybody knows because it's catchy, but we're able to sing truth and remember truth. And I think that's what Paul's doing here. He really wants them to grasp onto the fact that Jesus is above all created things. He's above all rulers, all kingdoms. 
And not only that, but he is bringing in a new kingdom, and he's the Lord over that kingdom as well. And I think the thing that he wants him to hold on to that's in the middle of that poem, it's the focal point, is that he holds all things together. So, now that I have rambled on about songs and poems and whatever, I think what's important for us this morning to look at this from the world that you live in. Because the reality is that Jesus is still Lord. The kingdom that he was bringing about in his lifetime and in his death and resurrection is the same kingdom of God that we're able to live in. And though the world, the world looks different in a lot of ways than this town in first century Rome, a lot of it's the same. There's political unrest. There's things grabbing for our attention. And even if you take those things aside, they still have to live their lives. It's hard to be a parent. It's hard to continue to work on your marriage. It's hard to raise those kids and to work your job and to do all those things and still be faithful to the calling of the Lord on our lives as believers. So this morning, what is your hope in? That's, that's the question I want to ask. Is your hope in a political leader or a political party? Is your hope in your job and the validation maybe it brings? Is your hope in your boss at your job maybe that better opportunities will arise? Even further, is your hope in your spouse or your kids or your family? Because the truth is, none of those things are bad things. But what we have to be reminded of is that Christ Jesus is Lord over all those things. So if our hope is misplaced, then it's very easy to get off track. And later in the book of Colossians, um, there are different ways that this young, fledgling church has gotten off track. And Paul does a lot to remind them of the truth of the gospel that they believed in in the first place. But this morning, I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves is, is our hope for our life and for the world around us, is it truly placed in Jesus? And we've heard that message before. I, I know I have. I've heard it in this room. But I think it's something that we need to be reminded of over and over. So maybe this morning as we kind of wrap that up and we're going to sing some more songs and we're going to worship. 
I just wanna take a moment to give ourselves space to ask that question and to search for the answer inwardly. Where is my hope today? Where is my hope for tomorrow? And then we can begin to ask the Lord to place our hope in him because we need his help to do it. It's not easy because there's so many, again, there's so many things vying for our attention, right? I'm gonna pray for us and then we will um, maybe take a few moments before we sing just to reflect. And if you'd like to, I mean, some of our ministry team will be available. You can come grab me in the back. I'd love to talk with you. Not that I'll have answers, but I'd love to talk. Um, Maybe you can grab someone in your fold group if you need to. But I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we ask this morning that you um, reveal to us what our hope is centered on. Allow us to recognize um, where our attention is drawn to. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to break down walls of uh, pride, break down walls of guilt and shame so that your truth can be made known in our hearts. And Lord, allow our hope to be placed on nothing other than you because everything else will fade. Amen.